so I got some pretty great uh, feedback and, and responses from our last character study episode, which looked at Adolin Colon, and after this string of 20-plus minute, very research-intensive episodes of the show, I figured I might take a little break and start flexing my semi-writerly muscles here by doing a shorter episode on uh, another character thing. Uh, this time, we are looking at two of the characters in the Stormlight Archive that we all love to hate, Bright Lord Meredith Amaram and Moash. Now, these two are paired up for some pretty obvious plot reasons and because of how they relate thematically to our main characters. Spoilers ahead for the Stormlight Archive through Oathbringer, and, uh, you know what they say about Moash. Fuck. So, I think it's fairly obvious why I think these two characters are kind of paired up. Uh, after all, they are the two main humans who give themselves up willingly to Odium's side by the time of Oathbringer. And both, of course, are heavily connected to our primary radiants, Kaladin and Dalinar. And it's this kind of four-corner idea between these four, uh, Kaladin, Dalinar, Amaram, Moash, that kind of I want to talk about and explore. Uh, they both kind of act as foils to illustrate some of the key themes in Stormlight thanks to their respective relationships. So Kaladin's story is our starting point, naturally. Uh, getting through the, the basics, his, his father got in conflict with Bright Lord Roshon, who subsequently got Kaladin's little brother, Tien, enlisted in Amaram's army. Kaladin, who believed Amaram to be the kind of shining example of a light eyes, joins up to protect his brother, but instead watches him die as bait in the middle of a battle. Kaladin re-enlists and becomes a sergeant, eventually facing down and killing a shardbearer. But uh, instead of taking the shards, he kind of is too disgusted by what those shards have done, and he gives them up. Bright Lord Amaram, fearing that the word would get out of this, uh, he kills Kaladin's surviving men and brands him a slave, then takes the shard plate for himself, under the kind of belief that he would do more good with it than Cal. That gets us to the main plot of Way of Kings, where Kaladin begins to speak the immortal words and build up his men to be Radiance, uh, and that includes Moash. So, Moash. Right. Although his friendship with Kaladin starts a little rushed in terms of how the plot plays out. It's one of the weaker aspects, I think, of the earlier Stormlight books, but, uh, yeah, he shares a lot of traits with the Stormblast. He was also wronged by Bright Lord Roshon, who convinced King Elhokar to lock up Moash's grandparents to further his own ends. When those grandparents died in prison without even a trial, the tragedy leads to Dalinar exiling Roshon to Hearthstone, where he believes he can't do that much harm, and that leads to the conflict between Roshon and Kaladin's father, both men, uh, Kaladin and Moash, then end up in Bridge 4, sharing a hatred for the Light Eyes, though while Kaladin wants nothing to do with them, Moash hungers for the power they hold and wants to take it for himself. As the two men kind of grow closer through Way of Kings and then Words of Radiance, we see this even more clearly as Moash joins with Graves and his faction of the Diagram to try to kill King Elhokar. Here, we see the decision that slowly tests Kaladin's relationship with Syl, as he agrees to help Moash see through that plan. And uh, in, in the middle of all this is where we get our neat little point of symbolism. Kaladin, in the famous White Spine Uncaged scene, joins in Adolin's duel during Words of Radiance, and, and when he's released, Adolin gives him the blade and plate that he won, Kaladin's second. But he can't bring himself to accept them, so he gives them to Moash, literally turning him light eyes, the second set of blade and plate after the first one went to Amaram. Moash relishes the chance and immediately kind of becomes obsessed with the shards and practicing with them and getting used to them. As the book goes on, Kaladin eventually kind of loses his power until he realizes the second ideal, that he must protect even those he hates so long as it is right. 
It's only at the climax of the book when, sort of spreadless and injured, Kaladin realizes that Moash's justification for killing Elhokar is making the exact choice that Amaram made, and the squad leader who got Tien killed, sacrificing the one for the greater good. But Kaladin can't accept that. After all, life before death. Protecting ten innocents is not worth killing one. And, having realized that, Kaladin sort of speaks the words, gets his boost of power, and sends Moash packing. That sets him up quite nicely for uh, Oathbringer, so we'll leave him there and turn to Odium's other favorite boy. Meredith Amaram is, in many ways, a reflection of Dalinar Colon. Both are men who run a tight ship on their armies, both highly respected, and both, in actuality, pretty ruthless warlords. Or, at least, Dalinar was. Before his visit to the Night Watcher, the Blackthorn was probably the most brutal man on Roshar bar none, from what we get of the Oathbringer flashbacks. Amaram, though, doesn't quite share that bloodthirst necessarily. He's a, he's a capable general who keeps his men disciplined, but there's obviously some other goals going on under the surface. For one, he is one of the Sons of Honor, a follower of Gavilar Colin, attempting to bring about a desolation with the belief that it would bring the Heralds out of hiding. As we learn from Wave Kings, he will do anything to pursue this goal. In killing Kaladin's men to take the blade and plate, then attempting to bond the shard blade that came with the Herald Madman Talonol, he kind of reveals that this honor is a facade, which is what shatters Kaladin's idolization of the Light Eyes. Well, actually, we should question the word facade here, because that's kind of where Amaram is interesting. Uh, it's hard to get a read on him. From the kind way he treats his staff and his soldiers, and the honor with which he runs his army, it's tough to tell whether or not he's truly the man he acts like. We only ever see the ruthlessness in the things that he believes are necessary to forward his own goals. Killing Kaladin's men, for one, and lying to Dalinar about the Shardblade, but the question there kind of becomes, was, was all of the good, all of the sort of honor that he showed, was that all undone by the evil? Does he, does he not deserve recognition for the way he treated men before? It's an unclear question, and, and paints a picture of a man with a conscience who does evil things because he genuinely believes that he's the only one who deserves power. Maybe it's ego, which I think is what the characters end up concluding, but it's an interesting thought to consider whether he was uh, worthy of that ego or not. Now, this is all bringing us to Oathbringer, which is really the key that ties both of these two men together. We see multiple Moash viewpoints as Oathbringer kind of goes on, and his decision to join the Singers comes from a sense of disgust with the way that the world is broken. He sees dark-eyed men gravitate toward light eyes despite a new world order, and he starts to wonder whether humanity even deserves the planet. Most importantly, any time he considers taking responsibility for his actions or regretting the things he did to Kaladin and Bridge Four, he refuses to do so. Where Kaladin takes the weight of the world on his shoulders, Moash refuses to take responsibility. Moash is Kaladin if he made the least painful moral choices. Responsibility and, and the choice to give in to pain or release is, is a big theme in Brandon's work that he talks about, and Moash does exactly that. It's interesting, because even though he's doing backbreaking work for the singers, a, a physically challenging task, it might seem like he made the hard choice, but what he's really doing is, is making the easy call to avoid wrestling with his own conscience. Amaram, meanwhile, is simultaneously handled really well and kind of poorly in Oathbringer. By this point, he's failed to bring back any of the Heralds, and the Desolation has returned. He's lost his alliance with Dalinar Colon, he was relegated to the sidelines after being outed in Words of Radiance, and even got sidelined to rebuilding Thalen City once he became High Prince Sadius. By this point, everything he's done and everybody he's hurt has been for naught, and when the thrill rolls through, he falls prey to its power. Instead of being a better man, he gives in. 
Throughout Oathbringer, Dalinar's story is about facing the man he once was. He struggles with the question of how he has any moral high ground or right to lead when his past is full of sins. Many of us read the Rathalos chapters, where he burns an entire city down with his wife inside, and, and we believe him to be irredeemable, and Dalinar absolutely considers himself so. When he goes to the Night Watcher, he asks for forgiveness, and instead, Cultivation prunes his memories with the knowledge that he'll eventually gain them back and relive them, having grown to be a better man. When Odium does face Dalinar with the barrage of memories at the Battle of Thalen Field, he demands that Dalinar give up his pain, which... Ultimately, Dalinar refuses. Instead, he swears the third ideal of the Bondsmiths. I will take responsibility for what I have done. If I must fall, I will rise each time a better man. In this, he realizes that there's no way to really take back what he's done. The best he can do is just to be better going forward. But uh, with respect to Amaram, there is a fantastic moment directly after that that I think bears quoting. Right as Odium is screaming in surprise, uh, Amaram, taken by the thrill, steps up to Dalinar, and Dalinar makes his last plea. The Parshwoman didn't move, but Amaram lethargically lowered his hand from his face, then stepped forward, summoning his shard blade. Dalinar took his hand from the glowing pillar and held it out. You can change, he said. You can become a better person. I did. Journey before destination. No, Amaram said. No, he'll never forgive me. The bridgeman? Not him. Amaram tapped his chest. Him. I'm sorry, Dalinar. So, that is just one of, I think, the... I mean, there's a lot of cool moments at the end of Oathbringer, don't get me wrong, but I think that so perfectly encapsulates Amaram as a character. He believes himself to be too far gone. Like Dalinar, he has accepted the fact that he's done horrible things and made mistakes and ultimately kind of failed. He believes himself to be irredeemable that his destination as a man, as a, as a person, no matter what he does from now on, will forever be stained by his villainy. Dalinar may well believe the same thing, but he understands that he still needs to take the remainder of his journey as a good man. Amaram, though, is, is unable to accept this. He, he cannot understand that notion, and instead, he caves to Odium. He gives up his pain and his responsibility, and ultimately consumes Yelignar the Unmade to basically become the monster he thinks he deserves to be. I'm not sure if that last part is totally the sort of symbolism Brandon had in mind, but it's possible and I like the idea of that sort of final transformation. After that, though, unfortunately, Amaram is summarily defeated and killed in the fight by the combination of Kaladin and Rock. It's a fun fight, for sure, but I, I certainly wish we'd seen a little more of him after that point. Kind of more explanation on the theme of failing to do what Dalinar managed. Uh, I, I would have liked to see him, I guess, more as a foil throughout the story. Uh, the way Moash is very much built up to be a foil to Kaladin, uh, Amaram, I kind of wish we'd seen more of him in Oathbringer to be a foil to Dalinar. But, um, we don't have that, so uh, we wrap up Oathbringer with Moash obtaining the strange dagger from the Fused and killing Yezrian, the Herald of Kings, then accepting Yezrian's honor blade to gain the very powers of a Windrunner and become Vire. The parallels, by now, become pretty obvious. Amaram is Dalinar if he hadn't sworn the oaths of a bondsmith. Moash is Kaladin if he hadn't sworn the oaths of a windrunner, right down to the power set. Amaram's army killed Tian, Moash killed Alokar, Amaram took Kaladin's first set of shards while Moash took the second. Dalinar captures an unmade, Moash kills a herald, Amaram destroys Kaladin's faith in the light eyes, while Dalinar restores it. Both Amaram and Moash ultimately choose to give up their pain to Odium, and ultimately become weapons of the Voidbringers, not for any moral reasons, but in the pursuit of giving up who they once were. 
it's it's a lot, and I'm I'm definitely curious to see where we're going moving forward. With with Amar, I'm dead. Obviously, we'll never get to see that story play out unless. No, no, there's no probably going to be no more resurrection. I think we've burned that with uh, Zeth and Yasna. But uh, still, we'll get to see a lot more of Kaladin moving on from Amaram uh, and Rock dealing with killing somebody, and there'll probably be enough of Vire to keep us happy. Moash and Kaladin both have a year in between Oathbringer and the Rhythm of War to sort of try and, and perfect their Windrunner capabilities, so I am excited for that eventual matchup that's happening. But uh, we will just have to see. I hope you enjoyed this kind of shorter episode of uh, the World Hopper's Guide. I, uh, I, we got some wonderful responses to the Hoyt episode last week. It broke all sorts of whatever records, so thanks for listening to it and sharing with people if you did. Uh, if you do enjoy, uh, go ahead and subscribe wherever you subscribe. Maybe leave a review on iTunes or whatever it is you do. Tell your Cosmere where folks about us and... Uh, yeah, you have any episode ideas, please email worldhoppersguide at gmail.com. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music, thanks to the Coppermine for refreshing my memory, and thanks to you for listening.